Welcome to Iro Live with host Bob Bay. Last week, we talked about steps six and seven, and I kind of introduced those times. And uh, we talked about Jacob wrestling with God. And as far as the steps go, we've gone from one up through, we've fully gone through five. We introduced steps six and seven last week, kind of pulling them together, but they're not really together. There is two separate parts to step six and seven. Step six being uh, that we are entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. And then step seven being we humbly ask him to remove all of our shortcomings. Now, why do they say character defects in one and shortcomings in the other? What does that mean in all of that? What's all of this mean? A brief recap. Remember we talked in the very beginning, we began talking that we were created in God's image. And in that process of him creating us, he built within us three basic categories of needs. These are needs that we all have. A need for significance, a need for security, and a need for socialization. I say socialization, but that's relationships. We all have those needs. Now, after the fall, our spirit went into what I describe as a coma. I don't know how else to describe it. Uh, Theologically, some people would say that our spirit died and it has to be brought back to life. Uh, But I'm I'm not gonna get into a theological debate about all of that. I'm just gonna say the best way I can describe it was is our spirit is in slumber. It's in a coma now. It knows what's going on, but it can't do anything about it. And so us being a triune being, because we're created in God's image, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are body, soul, and spirit, our soul being our mind, our will, and our emotions. What ended up happening when our spirit ceased being able to function because of being separated from God, It left everything up to our soul and our body. And so we are born into this world with a slumbering spirit and our soul is left. Our mind, our will, and our emotions begin to make our choices for us. Now, we're little kids and we're raised by people who are supposed to bring us up in a godly way to become healthy, productive members of society mature adults, able to handle our emotions, able to handle our feelings and express ourselves in a positive way. But nobody has that. I take that back. There are some people that have that. I don't know who, but I know that they're out there. Statistically, they have to be out there. And the reason why our caregivers aren't able to teach us and equip us in those things is because they weren't fully taught and equipped. That's all in varying degrees. Some people do. I make jokes about it. Some people are more equipped than others, right? But so we grow up learning how to cope, developing coping skills or coping mechanisms on how to get through life. We're learning and we're trying to meet our needs, those three areas of needs, or we're trying to mask the pain of not having those needs met. Now here we are, fast forward, our spirit has been awakened, 
But yet everything in us, our mind, our will, and our emotions has been leading the show for so long. Our spirit has a difficulty overriding that. I should say our soul has difficulty letting go because it's what we know. It's comfortable. It's what's worked, right? That's why they call them coping skills. We've developed ways to cope with life. And so we guard those things fiercely. Now we've discovered through the fourth step and the fifth step that we have these areas in our lives. We see repetitive cycles, we see patterns, we see these things that are going on. By looking back at that, we can begin to develop a list of things that are going on in our lives so that we can begin to work on those. Now, as in step five, when we talked about in, in step five, in James chapter five, remember it talk, we talked about James saying, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed because our, our soul needs healing. That's what we would call sanctification. We're at this point where now we begin to look back at our character defects. What are these things? And so we can look at those and we can, can begin to define those by the needs categories. Because remember, we're all trying in our own will and our own power and strength to meet our own needs or to mask unmet needs, the pain of unmet needs. So let's look at significance. When we talk about that, that overarching category of significance, you go back to the, in the Bible, in the very beginning, God said, let us create man in Genesis, let us create man in our image. We were made this triune being. That is the priority of significance. But in that is contained a lot of other things. We are created in his image, but when you when that's actually translated, we are his image bearers. We are not just made in his image, but we are to carry his image. Once the fall happened in and of ourselves, we are incapable of walking in that, which means we are incapable of being able to experience that significance. So that need is unmet. And so let's look at what ends up happening. So in our lives, we become, I'll, I'll talk about me, what happened to me. I became a people pleaser, an approval seeker. I became an overachieving workaholic, I began to look towards material possessions. I wanted to drive a nice car, I wanted to have nice stuff, I wanted to, you know, all of this stuff. I became fixated on being able to have this stuff so that other people would look at me and think, he's got it all together. When I was in the army, I worked hard to advance in rank and, and to get promoted and and do these things, get these awards and these medals because I wanted people to look at me and think he's good. Because I never felt like I got that growing up. I never felt significant 
All of that is wrapped in significance. But we can't just say, okay, I want to be significant, so I'm going to find my significance in Christ. That's what the reality of it is, right? But when I say you have to find your significance in Christ, and I say, how do you do that? It's like, well, how do you do that? I can say, well, you just have to believe that God made you special. God made you special. You have to just believe it. But how do we believe it when we've gone through our whole lives being told? A lot of times being told by ourselves when we're having those conversations in our head with ourselves that we're not good enough and that we don't matter. How do we get past that part? When I was first in recovery, there was a lady in there that used to say at least once every other month, I learned you don't pray and ask for patience because he'll give you opportunities to get it. But you know what? I realized patience, having patience is a part of life. You have to have it. So it's like pulling off the band-aid. Why not just ask for it and get it out of the way? Or we can say, God, I struggle with impatience. Can you remove this from me? You see the difference? It's the same thing, right? And in that, God will begin to teach us how to have patience and, and the impatience will leave us. But so this is the important part about this step. And this is what's kind of hard. Becoming entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Because when I went through it the first time, I had some defects of character that I knew. I lied a lot. I cussed all the time. I lied all the time. I was dishonest. I wore a mask. I won't even get into that. I didn't even understand I was wearing a mask really in the beginning, but I did drugs and I drank and I lied and I was manipulative. I knew those things, dishonest. I knew God had to remove those things, but then there were other things that were mine, right? We'll deal with those later. I, I honestly would say, I can't do all of this at once. I just need to take care of the big things and we'll worry about the other things later because I wanted to do them in my order. And so I would go round and round and round with God because what God knew was if he would take care of these few things, all these other things would domino in effect and be taken out. If he would take care of the certain part, then I wouldn't have to worry about being dishonest. If I could trust and rely in him, then when I was faced with the, with the choice of will I be honest or dishonest, we have to become entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. So it brings us back to this thing. This is the, the thing here. Let's look at this. This is a very deep spiritual principle. It's not really, it's very simplistic. But we have to understand this and begin to take this in. We were created to bear, to carry God's image. And in doing that, it will give us significance 
that no amount of money, power, prestige, or fame can give us. No relationship on earth can make us feel important enough to match the significance that we will find bearing God's image as we were originally created to in the garden. And now remember, we're finding our way back to the garden by living in his kingdom. And so what do we need to do? If you look throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks about what it means to walk in his kingdom. He talks what it means to bear his image. I was talking this weekend about one of the things that he talked about when the disciples were arguing at the Passover meal, the Last Supper. They were arguing who would be greatest in this new kingdom that Jesus was about to establish. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute, guys. The least in my kingdom will be the greatest. And the greatest in these kingdoms will be the least in my kingdom. So we know that one of the things we have to do is we have to stop living in order to raise ourselves up and we have to take on a servant's attitude, right? We look at the fruit of the Spirit, humbleness, meekness, gentleness. You have to take on these properties. If you look at the armor of God, when Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God and you look at that, it's righteousness, it is peace, it is carrying the gospel of the kingdom. See this intertwining? That's all what it means to bear the image of Christ and to be able to walk in that significance. Now we can say, I find my value and my worth in Christ, but if we're not walking bearing his image, then we're lying to ourselves. We're living in denial. We're following a form of godliness, but denying the power is what the scripture describes it as. So when you think about the seventh step, we humbly ask him to remove all our shortcomings. We humbly the Bible says we are to go boldly before the throne. Make our requests known to God, right? We can stand before God, our head held high, our heart bowed down. But this is the deal in this process. Humbly is what the key to all of this is about. We have to get to this point where we understand that all of these needs that we've been trying to meet, or the pain of unmet needs that we've been masking is separating us from God and bearing his image, walking in the significance and the provision, the security that he has for us. We must become entirely ready for him to deal with all of these issues and then humbly ask him to do so. Now listen, it is gonna, there is going to be a process. There are going to be some things like for me, for my people pleasing and for my approval seeking. It took God a long time for me to get for him to walk me through that process. It took me a long time for me to be humble enough. 
to let him do that, for me to be humble enough to actually look at it and to be willing to admit that I had a problem there. That's a huge part of my problem is my inability to look at the truth of what my problems are. We want to bear God's image, walk in who he is, receive the fullness of that. Once we get to this point, all of that stuff is pushed away as far as our significance goes. It opens the door for our God to be able to provide for us because we stop making decisions. Monetarily, we make decisions all the time based on significance. We want bigger houses, we want bigger cars, we want this, we want that. We're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. We take a job based on what, you know, all of this stuff, we're doing all of this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with, I mean, nothing wrong with working. Nothing wrong with having two jobs. Once we begin to experience that significance, and feel that it will allow us to make choices that we wouldn't otherwise make. We can then follow God. Our spirit man can hear the voice of God and direct us and guide us. Thanks for listening. Please comment and subscribe for upcoming podcasts. To order your copy of My Real Life, go to the Take Action page at our website, reallifeministries-stl.com or go to Real Life Ministries STL on Facebook.